and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, the HBIC, head badass in charge, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And today I am coming at you with an interview with Dr. Jeremy Toffel. He's representing the physician dads. I'm talking about physician moms. It's an awesome matchup. But before we get into that, I got to tell you a little bit about our sponsors. Make a little bit of money. Our sponsor for this episode is Panacea Financial. As a company founded by doctors, they know how frustrating it can be to work with financial companies, which is why they created a better way. Have you thought about refinancing your student loans? Well, unlike other companies, the rates you get at Panacea Financial for student loan refinance doesn't go up because of your credit score, how much debt you owe, or your income level. With no loan maximums or co-signer requirements, their student loan refinancing is based on the respect physicians deserve and not on your credit score or debt load. Join the growing number of physicians nationwide that expect more from their bank and have switched to Panacea Financial. You can visit PanaceaFinancial.com today for a better way to refinance your student loans. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus member FDIC. Welcome to the podcast, my fellow physician colleague and podcasting friend, Dr. Jeremy Toffel. It's great to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great. And wonderful. Awesome. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you put out in the world. Yeah. So uh, my name is Dr. Jeremy Toffel. I am a pediatrician in Omaha, Nebraska. I originally grew up in West Virginia, so I went East Coast Essential. Haven't made it really made it out West yet. Um, and so I'm husband. We got two boys. And, you know, I recently, really, I guess not recently anymore. I keep saying recently, but, you know, this year's gone by so fast, surprisingly. But, you know, last year with COVID, everything is affected by COVID nowadays. But I work in general peds. And so I work in a clinic. And for us back then, we were trying to keep people out so people weren't getting sick. And that led to me having a lot of free time and a lot more extra time at home with my family and my kids. And I had this sense that I was doing a really good job at being a dad and a physician at the same time. And I quickly learned when I was home more, it wasn't that easy. And I probably wasn't doing as good as I thought I was. And so, you know, it was funny because I tried so hard in the beginning because, you know, our, our older son, I'm trying to think he was, so he was in first grade when everything happened and they had to, you know, they went on spring break and went, never went back like everybody else. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this super fun. We're going to have a lot of good times. And so what I, I, planned out all these days in a row. It's like three or four days in a row. And I remember one day it was like a pirate day. So they woke up and we had pirate hats and I made like a treasure hunt throughout the house. And we had like pretend spider webs hanging throughout the stairwell that they had to cut down with their swords to get to this treasure at the end. It was just, this, it was super fun, but you know, three days of doing that, it's really tiring because I was staying up all night setting it up. And so like the next day I like took the day off from doing it. And my kids woke up, they were really excited. It's like, dad, what are we doing today? And I'm like, absolutely nothing. And they weren't happy with that answer. But, you know, kind of as time went on, I, I realized that I was kind of struggling as a dad and, and, and being a physician and trying to find kind of where I was at in life with that. And so I, I kind of started blogging about it, looking into it more. And that's just kind of where it led me to where I'm at today. I love when something just kind of like comes up and you just go with it. So my recent, for instance, is uh, Mr. Wiseman is a grain farmer, corn, corn and mm -hmm. soybeans, and specifically non-GMO corn. And I was like, you know what? We got a lot sitting in the bin down here by our house. What if I put this on Etsy? 
So I shit you not, I've sold about 28 pounds of non-GMO corn nice. on Etsy because like, yeah, why not? Right. So I love the energy of what Imperfect Dad MD started from. Because it sounds like you were trying to be like the Pinterest dad. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's so easy to look online and see all these wonderful, beautiful pictures of families and, and everything. And if you have kids, you know how many pictures it takes to get that one picture that you can actually put up on social media. I mean, it's it's you don't know how sometimes these photographers get in. I'm pretty sure they take a cut and paste like 20 different pictures to get that one because... We'll get family pictures and I don't know where we get, we get through and we're just like, that was miserable. That's going to be terrible. And we get these beautiful pictures and I'm like, I don't know when any of this happened, but those are the pictures people post and you know, all the messages people say online and you look at that and it's really easy to doubt yourself and feel like you're failing and you're, you must be doing something wrong. And um, I was like that for a little bit, you know, it's, and I think, you know, I think for a lot of parents, especially who weren't used to being home or who weren't used to doing the teaching aspects prior to things like COVID, um, when we got thrown into it, we were like, oh, wow, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm not doing as good of a job as I feel like I should be. And I, I, I mean, being in pediatrics, I've seen that with parents coming into it's it's been tough on a lot of people. And so and don't you think like being a doctor, we put higher expectations on ourselves and being in peds, I'm family medicine. I'm always like, I should know this shit. Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing. Everybody expects like, Hey, you're a pediatrician. Your, your wife's so lucky. You're probably this awesome parent and you know everything. And it's like, no, not really. Like I can intubate my kids, but I can't, I don't know anything about uh, dealing with the tantrums and dealing with this and that. At least that was early on. I've luckily I've figured out some of that by now, but yeah. You, and you know, as, as, like you said, as doctors, we're really good at beating ourselves up because we've been trained to be the best and do the best and you can't fail at this or that, or else you won't get the job that you want, or you won't get to go to the residency you want. And all of a sudden you're a parent and you're not supposed to fail at this and then you do. And it's like, Oh crap. I don't, I don't know what to do with this. So yeah. They didn't come with textbooks. My kids didn't. No, I, I was looking for the return labels. They didn't have those either. So they didn't have the, there's no return to sender either. Sadly not. <laughs> yeah. I think my wife wouldn't be happy there if we tried. So. Right. And so I think there is something to be said because we, we do want to like do it right. We don't want to fuck up our kids, but I've really gotten to the point is like, my kids need something to talk about with their therapist someday. So like, (laughs) if that's me. Growth, it's all growth, right? I mean, if they can't struggle now, they don't learn later. Right. And so talk a little bit more about the evolution of Imperfect Dad MD and the messages. I mean, essentially you're talking about your own story and just giving light, putting light into dark places of parenthood. So, you know, for me, it was, Early on, like I said, I, I started a blog early on and it was kind of my my go-to place to talk about where I felt like I was failing and, and trying to find ways to improve on that and really quickly just trying to recognize how failure is okay. Uh, again, you know, as a doctor, failure is initially thought of as, as a bad thing, but I don't think we really recognize in life that failure is probably the, one of the most important things about life because without it, we don't learn, we don't grow, we don't develop, we don't challenge ourselves. I mean, look at kids. Kids fail all the time. I mean, I mean, even your toddler who's trying to walk, you know, they stand up and they topple over or they take a few steps and they fall face forward. And I mean, they don't quit. They don't stop. That's how they learn those things. But I mean, we don't see that as failure. We see that as, oh, they're trying. Look how great they're doing. And we celebrate that. But when we fail, either in jobs or parenting or whatever it is, we're down on ourselves. We don't say, hey, I've tried really hard on that. I learned something. Let's do better. And so... um, I tried to use the blog initially to to kind of cover those thoughts for myself. Um, 
I kind of found myself straying a little bit. I would, I, I like to do woodworking and, and building random things. And so that ended up on the blog, which some people enjoyed and some people totally ignored. Of course, with COVID, I had to start talking about COVID every now and then about, and how it affected pediatrics. And so that got onto the blog. And so, you know, eventually the blog, it was a lot of me talking and I was covering a lot of various topics, but I felt like there wasn't just that one set message every time I posted, which is probably good for a blog, but I really wanted to have some some clear mindset there. And so end of 2020, going into January of this year, I, I decided to start a podcast based on being a dad, being a physician, embracing that failure and, and helping other dads learn to do that as well. And really even, you know, I just started it in January and we're into what, May now. And so um, it's only been five months of doing it. I say only, I, I, to me, it feels like it's been long, but in the, the realm of podcasting and those things, it's really, it's really still in its infancy. And it's kind of evolved a little bit since then from basic dad's conversations to more focused on different um, kind of what I refer to as core foundations of being a physician dad. And so, um, and, and, and it's going to keep molding. It's going to keep changing with that. And that's, uh, you know, I keep learning with it. There are shows that I do that I think I did a really good job with. And then other shows where I'm like, ah, I could have probably done better, but I don't beat myself up and I just, I just kind of keep moving on. It's totally the progress. Like it's, it's the journey. I think your episode is going to be like 277 or something. And I have to say, like, it just is, it's just part of it. And I think that's the beauty of podcasting. It's the beauty of any kind of longitudinal project is that you're like, all right, next Mm -hmm, step forward. Next step forward. I have no idea where this is going to land. So for me with Dr. Me First, it started back in 2018. You know, I honestly just wanted to get on the horn and talk to other amazing Mm -hmm. physicians. I'm so isolated here in Southern Indiana. I'm the only female doctor in my county. And that was the whole purpose was just like how yours started. And now it's an incredible platform and it's become a community and you know, I talk about my coaching on it and all these other amazing things, but I love picking up people like in the stage that you're at, because then a year from now or two years from now, when you come back to me, we're going to see the growth. We're going to see like the change and the pivots all because you said, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm going to try. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, I remember when I first started the blog, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. I, I mean, I hate English. I'm sorry. I hated it. It was, I took the least amount of English classes I could in college just to get by. And it was, I was never going to be a writer. I never planned on writing things. I, I didn't get a PhD because I didn't want to have to write research papers and those kind of things. And, and now I'm, I'm writing about topics. And, you know, if you would ask me a year ago, Hey, are you going to do a podcast? Actually, one of the guys in, in my imperfect.md Facebook group, I have a group of some dads in there. And he was like, when's the podcast coming on? It was like a more jokingly. I was like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Cause I have no clue what I am doing, even with trying to get a blog on the internet, let alone recording and editing and this and that. And yeah, now it's, it's just, I, you know, I didn't, I, I kind of got challenged to do it. And I just, instead of just focusing on the fear of it or the self doubt of it, I just, I just kind of rolled with it. And that's really, I think so much of this is we have so much self-doubt when we're unsure about how to do something. And it's sometimes you just let the universe do its job. It does its job. Yeah. Never say never in parenting or or podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, you talk about talking with other physicians and, and kind of getting their story. I love, I've loved talking to so many different dads on my show and like their stories and and everything. And it's even if it's just like basic dad talk, like, you know, you talk about being the only female um, physician in your county, you know, being in pediatrics, there's, I mean, there's not a lot of 
guy general pediatricians, I guess you'd say, in, in our area. And so when I go to work, I'm hanging out with a lot of moms, which is great. It's great talking to them about, you know, parenting and life, but I don't get that dad connection a lot of the times. And so this kind of, you know, selfishly gives me that dad connection too. Like, hey, like I can have some dad talk and, and see how you're good doing um, things. And it's it's really interesting to see how different people handle things in different ways. Absolutely. And and let's go one step from there is, you know, I talk a lot about female physician burnout. Let's talk about dad burnout and how how that looks in the realm that you sit in. You know, it's I think that's a good question. And it's so it's so hard, I think, nowadays, because and I, this is probably I mean, it's probably the same si- thing for the female side. Of, but it's almost like a mirror image. If I, I guess I look at it because, you know, those gender roles have really started to kind of blend into each other a little bit in our generation. And, you know, obviously more than generations before us in terms of, you know, what's the dad role and what's the mom role. I mean, that's, that's really not, I mean, even kosher to talk about as much anymore, which is great um, that we're seeing that progress there. But I think with that comes sometimes confusion by people. You know, I, I grew up with a dad who was a physician and I actually did an episode with him um, where we just talked about, you know, what, what did it mean to be him being a dad and what his dad was like and what's it like now? And he's like, you know, when I was, you know, when you kids were young, my job was to go to work. I went to work, I came home, that was it. And so when you looked at it, being a dad just meant you go to work, you make money and that's it. And now it's not that. Sure. Are you the one that's working? Cool. Are you not the one that's working? You're staying home. That's cool too. And so that comes with a lot of different stresses. So I think when you see physician dads, it's not this, you go to work, you come home and that's it. It's you go to work, but then you have to figure, you have to be present at home as well. And I think, you know, if you're a physician in any field, you know how hard days can get. Sometimes you're tired of talking because you've been talking literally all day, unless I guess you're in anesthesia or surgery, you don't talk because everybody's asleep. But you know, you, you're just tired. Um, and then you're home and your kids are running up and they want to hang out and they want to talk and they want to do this. And sometimes it's hard to be present and, um, you know, you're expected to be now. And, and in the past, that wasn't how it was, I think for dads. And so there's not a lot of, um, I feel like resources or people to talk to about that, at least from previous generations to say, how do I do this? Um, and so I think for physician dads that that's been the harder part. It's not so much, I think the work aspect, but it's the, how do I become more present at home part of it? How do I, you know, help out more at home? How do I help my wife or my significant other, whoever that is? Um, but also not let my job interfere with that, but still do a good job at work. And you know what I'm seeing too, when it comes to dad physician burnout, is that like awareness of like, I want to be more than just the doctor. Like, oh, my dad's a doctor. Like you want to, you do want to at least the dads that I'm seeing, they want to be an active participant in their kid's life. And that's been really encouraging for me because that's what, like you said, the parallels with mom doctors too, is we don't want to just be like super successful in our jobs. We also want our kids to know like, hey, I love you and I want to spend time with you as well. And where I think we'll see a big shift in the culture of medicine is when it's not just the girls complaining about burnout and about work-life balance. But it's when we get our men colleague on board, even if maybe they don't want to work part time, but they're going to be allies to say like, no, in our practice, in our clinic, in our hospital, anyone is going to be empowered to work the way to work the way they want to work. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Totally agree. Yeah. And and I will definitely say dads still I, and maybe this will change with the next generation as we have more dads that are involved at that parenting side. But I, I definitely still see Male physicians, number one, aren't really willing to talk about their feelings about being a parent. I mean, I always talk, you know, when I talk with dads, it's, 
usually if I, you know, see somebody at work or something like that, it's always, oh, how's, you know, how's your work? How's the money situation? How's this? But rarely do you open with, oh, how's, how's being a parent? Um, and I definitely think, you know, definitely from the women physician side, you guys are much more open to talk about your burnout and how you're feeling about it and looking to get help with that, which is great. And I don't think dads are very good at that. I think we still have this, I don't know if it's this tribal instinct or whatever, but like I can fix everything and I'm going to do it. And it's, I'm not going to tell anybody about how I'm feeling, but I'm hopeful that's going to change over time. Um, maybe with our kids or, or the next generation of kids. Well, I think what you're doing is changing the cultural stigma of like boys can cry and have feelings too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No. I, and I, it seems like that's changing in our world. It seems like that discussion is definitely becoming more prevalent which I'm excited to see. I really am. I've, you know, I grew up with two sisters. I've always learned to respect women just because of that. Cause both my sisters would beat the crap out of me. If I um, did anything, we were all hockey players and they were all much better at me at hockey. And so I knew that, that if I did anything to um, ever disrespect a woman, I would not probably live another day. So, you know, so that was, that was one of the things for me. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's part of it with our kids too. If you don't, if you're not raised with sisters, does, do you not get that effect of, effect of it? And then if that's the case, you know, as a dad role, that's really your job then is to put that on your kids. Like, Hey, this is how, you know, we respect women. This is how, you know, we, sometimes you talk about genders in terms of life, but how are you using that belief system of what a gender is and in, in your discussion with your kids and your, cause you know, every little thing you say your kids pick up on and it really molds how they interpret the world around them for years to come. So how are you as the dad then using your interpretations of that to explain it to them. And I think that can really influence them as well. And so, you know, I, I sometimes worry about that because I have two boys. I, you know, we don't have any daughters. We're not planning on having any more kids because we're, we're pretty happy with where we're at on things. And so I recognize that my boys are going to have a totally different kind of childhood experience without having those younger girls in the house and learning how to respect it from that perspective. So for me, you know, obviously they're going to respect their mom. But for me as the dad, it's how do I instill that into them and make it such an important part of their lives too. And that's going to obviously be a challenge um, trying to figure that out. Right. Because it, it that's one thing that I've really recognized. My kids are nine, seven, and five. And so I know that the things that are popping out of my mouth are leaving little neural track rails in their head. You know, like I said, I'm going to give them lots of good stuff to talk to their therapist about. But, you know, like one of the things is super common. The things we say in our house is like, this is no big deal. Like we've gotten Mm -hmm. better about that. No means no. (laughs) So we talk about that a lot. And um, girl things can be boy things and boy things can be girl things. Yeah. We've had that conversation a lot where I I think we've talked about so much in the past where, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It maybe was even with clothing colors and stuff. You know, I actually remember I had a patient come in. It was like an eight or nine year old boy. And I... I love wearing pink. I think it looks great on me. So I wear pink shirts. And so I had a pink polo shirt on and I, I walked in and saw the kid and the kid was like laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? And he's like, well, you're wearing girl colors. And I'm like, what do you mean girl colors? He's like, well, you're wearing a pink shirt. And so I just sat down right across from him and I said, well, what do you mean? Um, I'm wearing a girl color. Like, what do you mean pink's a girl color? He's like, well, pink's a girl color. And I said, well, why do you say that? He's like, well, it, it just is. And I was like, well, do you know why pink is a girl, looked at as a girl color? And he's like, well, no. And so we had a, like a 10 minute conversation about how department stores back in like the forties or fifties decided pink was a girl color. Cause they were trying to prevent confusion on what clothes people were supposed to buy for their kids. And so we, we talked about that and how pink used to actually be a boy color. And then it became a girl color and it's all influenced by this and that. And so that was an interesting conversation to have, but 
but yeah, we'll have those conversations with our boys too about, you know, toys and TV shows and things like that. Oh, that's a girl toy. That's a girl show. And it's like, no, it's, it's, do you like it? Yeah. Okay. Then you like it. That's all that matters. My kids love it that I'm a gamer. Like yeah. they think that is amazing that their mom is a computer hacker gamer. And it's because growing up with a dad who was totally in technology, I can remember coding at the age of five. Nice. And so, yeah, really. And I mean, if you look at my house, we totally blow out gender norms with the mom being a badass doctor entrepreneur and my husband being probably the best mom for my kids <laughs> the first couple of years of their life. And so it's been really interesting as um, like I have friends come over, we just got done with the retreat and my youngest asked me that if boys can be doctors, cause all she knows is like female physicians. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty damn cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. It's so cool to see how that's just, it just, it doesn't take much to shift that we just have to do it. Right. We just have to like be a part of it and purpose. I mean, well, even for you, it's not like you were purposely trying to set that mindset with her, but you guys do an awesome job with showing that, yep, this is mom's role in our family. This is dad's role in our family. And that's how it is. And that's, I mean, that's cool. Yeah. We're a parent fluid relationship. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Jeremy, it's been great talking with you to all the listeners out there. This would be a great one to let your husband's male partners listen to, to know that there's a resource for them. That's why I wanted to bring Jeremy here on Dr. Me First. Um, another resource I want to throw out there is with Dr. Blake Jones. He is actually a physician dad coach. And so he's a cool guy. He's a, a muscular skeletal radiologist, but oh, talking cool. about yeah. super cool things like this as well. So there are resources out there and I'm super glad to lift up, um, Dr. Jeremy Toffel with this. Talk a little bit about where people can come find you, hang out with you, and give a plug for your podcast too. Yeah. So um, if you're interested in, in my blog post, I, again, there's a variety of them. Um, my website is uh, www.imperfectdadmd.com. Um, and there you can actually find the links to all of my podcasts as well. Um, my email, if you ever want to send me an email, I'm at imperfectdadmd at gmail.com or on Instagram, it's imperfectdadmd as well. Um, the podcast, imperfectdadmd, is it's on all the podcast players and there's a variety of shows. And if you start it from the beginning, you're going to see, you can, I mean, you can see how the show's just changed in those. I think I'm on episode 25 or six or seven. I don't know, somewhere in the mid twenties. I'm trying not to keep too much count and focus on that, but um, you can even just see how that shift is happening. I'm sure it's going to keep shifting more. Um, so for me, it's kind of fun to go back to and see how my interpretation of things has changed, even just through my discussions I've had and, and everything there too. Um, but one of the cool things too, um, we were kind of talking about this off air was that uh, making a podcast is really fun. And when you have something to talk about, it's, it's important to say it. And, um, you know, I've, I, again, I talked about kids and COVID and, and how I talk about it on my blog and I never really took that step to really truly talk about it in the, the podcast realm. And I decided to do it. And so I, I launched a podcast in about in a 24 hour period and it's called kids and COVID. And it really just focuses on how the pandemic in the last year has affected our youth and, not just their health, but mental health and uh, obesity and those kind of things as well. And so I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. It's it's new. It's three episodes in right now, um, but we'll we'll see where it goes. Podcasts are like tattoos. Once you, know? you get one, <laughs> you gotta keep going. I still haven't gotten one tattoo yet. Well, though, so. I don't either. That's why I got podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah, that's, there we go. That'll be our tattoos. 
Well, and I know that we met specifically, well, I think I had found you on the internet, but I was so glad to see you in the doctor's podcast network. Yeah. It's a really cool space. I just want to put a, like a free plug for them. If there's anybody who has a podcast out there or is thinking about starting a podcast, doctor's podcast network is just a great place to have community, to get your questions answered. Um, and really, we're gaining some leveraging power in the podcasting space. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I think when you're looking at, I mean, in podcasting, everybody has a voice out there and that's important to recognize. Um, and I think sometimes as physicians, we we don't feel like we should be saying things out there or, or whatever. I don't know what it is about that. You know, it was interesting when I was looking at this, the kids in COVID concept, I was like, someone's got to have that title out there somewhere. Um, and I searched for it and there was, there's nowhere. And everywhere that that title came up, it was like an episode title for various podcasts. And none of those podcasts were doctor podcasts, right? They were like, I don't even know who they were. They were just random people with podcasts and with episodes that were called kids and COVID. And so I was just like, there's, there needs to be more physicians out there talking about it. But I definitely think when you look at what the doctor podcast network's doing, it's, it's giving physicians that voice. And it's, it's, I mean, the number of shows that's already on there is incredible and it's just growing. And that's what I want to say too, is that sometimes we get in our heads and we limit like, Oh, what I have to say is not important or, Oh my God, like, how can I ever be like Jeremy or Aaron? And I just want to bash those myths in your brain mm -hmm. and say, there's plenty of room at the table. What you have to say is absolutely vital and that we are here to advocate and make space for you. So that's what I always tell any new members who come into Doctors Podcast Network. I'm like, you want to have the easiest first interview? You come over to Dr. Me first. Absolutely, right. And I'm going to put that out to anybody who's listening, you know, listeners turn guests. I love it when that happens. And I say like, please, please come talk to me. Please come tell me what you're thinking. Let's have a conversation about it because you're absolutely right. We, we have opinions and we have expertise. So why are we letting people who don't know what they're talking about dominate the space? And instead, you know, let's get some good information out there. And I even like it when I have somebody who comes on who has a varying opinion because then that pushes me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I, th I love those kind of situations because it helps you kind of learn and, and reflect on what you know and what you feel, but it helps you grow too. Even if you don't agree with that person, it helps you understand a different perspective. It helps you understand why you understand your perspective. And yeah, I, I like those conversations when it's not a heated battle, but a little healthy debate is always good. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, thank you so much for coming on Dr. Me First. It's been an honor and the badass mom and me honors the badass dad in you. I appreciate it. Keep it going there. Super great to sit down and talk with Dr. Jeremy Toffel. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did and hop over, go start listening to his podcast or share this episode with your partner, spouse, or some physician dad who needs to listen to this too. I think it's so important that we just keep docking, shining light into dark, twisty places and getting more in touch with who we are and what we want. For our kick of encouragement today, what I want to do is pull out a little bit about what we talked about in the conversation and elaborate more. So one thing that Jeremy talked about was doubt and self-doubt, like doubting ourselves. And I was really thinking about it and I thought, you know, why as highly successful, high achievers, do we have self-doubt? 
And I think it's because somewhere along the way, we got the programming that we can't trust ourselves. Like we need more data or we need more lab values or we need a consultation. And that we just started to doubt ourselves because someone along the way probably told us we couldn't trust our own judgment or that it was wrong over and over and over again. And that permeates into so many areas of our life. And another way where I think self-doubt creeps in where we don't trust ourselves anymore is when we've been in positions where we no longer feel safe. We don't feel safe to be ourselves. We don't feel safe to show up and how and where we truly are. And so I want you to sit back and think about that. How can you craft and curate some places of safety for you so that you can lean in and be like, yeah, I'm a fucking badass. I can lean into this. It is okay. In this moment, I am safe. I can trust my decisions. I can trust my desires. I can trust that I'm a super awesome human and that what I want to do in this world is absolutely okay. This was a huge hurdle for me to overcome, and it still creeps into my life every so often. But what I have to go back to is that safety and that security and that it is absolutely 100% okay and safe to be me. And so I want to pass that along to you. The other thing Jeremy talked about is that in life, failure is okay. Let me say it again for the people in the back. In life, failure is okay. Again, programming, we were taught that it was not okay. That it was never acceptable. But yet, just like he said, a kid has to learn to walk by falling down multiple, multiple times. In business and entrepreneurship, you don't get it right the first time. You don't get it right the second time. You might get it right the third moving forward time, but you're still always going to have improvements. And so really getting to that place to being like, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. And if I fall on my face, it's absolutely okay. Because you know what? I'm a badass. I'm going to pick myself up each time and try again. Number three, I loved when he talked about embracing the fail and celebrating the fail even. So many times we want to hide away in shame. We want to like not have other people see it. But it's almost like the show nailed it, you know, where they just put out these crazy crappy looking cakes and they're like, yep, I nailed it. I think that's part that we must all start doing is putting out our crappy nail at cakes and being like, yep, I'm going to celebrate this no matter what. We need to do so much more celebrating in our lives. Like if, for instance, recently my book, Dr. Me First, got picked up by Target. Yes, the Target. You can buy it uh, from them via their website. And I blasted it. I've talked a little bit about it. But you know what? I haven't really celebrated it. I got to celebrate that shit. That's a win. That's a huge thing. I think we should celebrate whenever whenever somebody starts a new business, like we celebrate a new baby. And I really do think we need to celebrate our fails because it shows that we're human, but it also shows that we're trying and we're putting ourselves out there and stretching and learning new ways. I would love to hear about your most recent fail. So if you hang out with me, either drop me a message in Instagram or if you're in the Slack group, tell me about it. Because I want to just toot it all over and celebrate it with you that like, hey, you did the thing. You tried. Because that's my number four. Just try. I hope these stories that I bring to you of physicians doing incredibly amazing things shows you that all the, the common thread in all of them is that they just did the thing. They just tried and they put themselves out there. And that's when the results, that's when things started to snowball and happen. 
So I want to push on you. Like, what's the thing you need to just try and do and maybe fail spectacularly and then try again? And if you're having a hard time with this and you want some help, hello, I'm sitting right here to help you, to hold your hand, to help you back up when you fall down, to celebrate with you when you get your wins or when you get your fails. I want you to know that help is available. You only have to ask for it. You only have to reach out. So today I'm talking to you. It's time, my friend. It is time. I am sitting here waiting for you. All right. Well, it's great been a great episode. Again, I got to give a nod to our sponsors. Thanks so much to Panacea Financial for sponsoring the Doctors Podcast Network this week. Panacea offers loans just for physicians and medical students with low rates, free checking, and no ATM fees nationwide with 24-7 live customer service. Visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to open your account and join a bank that is built with you in mind. Remember, Panacea Financial is a division of Primus, member FDIC. All right, friends, it's great hanging with you. I want to hear from you. I want to hear about those fails. I want to help you. And I want you to know that your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Thank you.